to season two, episode seven of Dead Right, uh, and uh, yeah, this one should be much shorter because we don't have any debates. All right, good times, bad times. Starting off, I guess the good time, uh, obviously you're the fruits of your school labor there in the intro. Yeah, that wasn't even very good. I definitely can and have done better, but uh, it was kind of a last minute decision, so I didn't get to warm up into it. <laughs> so what, you, you're actually, you're saying you have an, you have an accent class. Well, we have a, a voice class that we've done, which is not saying that we, you know, we've had all three years. And we're just, we're doing an accent unit, which is done every year in fourth year, but the profs felt could be easily done over Zoom. So that's what we've been focusing on. That's good. Uh, on Fridays. And you, you're enjoying it? We have to say class, but something else. You're enjoying it? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. What's coming next? You said Irish is next. You've done Scot- English, Scottish, and next is Irish. Yes. And then moving to the States. Did we talk about this last week? I don't know. It's not quite as simple as just though English, Irish, Scottish, because in Europe and you know even in countries, there's accents all over the place. So specifically, oh, absolutely, did, yeah. So specifically, we did received pronunciation British, and then Edinburgh Scottish, and then now we're moving into I think South Dublin Irish. Uh, is that where the troubles are? <laughs> it was all over Ireland where the troubles are. I think Dublin was the worst of it. Probably getting to our regularly scheduled programming i didn't know whether this was good times or bad times but i saw that facebook has said it is has rejected 2.2 million advertisements seeking to obstruct voting in the upcoming u.s election i guess it's good that they blocked them they obviously still miss some but 2.2 million people are trying to obstruct the election on facebook (laughs) that's not good that reminds me, there's an episode of 30 Rock where Alex Baldwin's character, who I think is Jack, I think his name is, Jack Donahue? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a big Republican fundraiser, and so he tries to get Tracy Morgan to do an ad to try to get black people who are traditionally more Democratic voters to vote Republican. And for those of you who haven't seen 30 Rock, Tracy Morgan is, is a black man. He's like a TV star, both in reality and this show. He's like trying the whole episode to get an ad that reaches out to black voters and black voters are always like, this is just a, you know, betraying us and ah, it doesn't speak to us. So at the end, he just gets them to do an ad to try to convince black people not to vote at all. (laughs) And it's quite humorous. And um, but I also think, you know, this is I'm sure this is more than just targeting black people, but is definitely a solid comedic critique of some of the stuff that goes on in the U.S. Yeah. The California, I don't know if we put this in, because I don't remember if this happened last week or this week, but the California GOP, Republican Party, openly admitted to putting out fake ballot boxes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel was yeah. making fun of it. He's like, you know, this is this is the official ballot box. This is where you want to put it, and this one isn't. And it, the first one was like the actual ones that the GOP put out. And then he's like, and this one also isn't. It was just a garbage can that somebody wrote, like, official ballot box on. And (laughs) then there was a video of that security guy. What's his name? Guillermo or whatever that he talks to. I think it's it's, Guillermo. 
anyway, Guillermo's out like casting his vote, and he's like, oh, "I'm here casting my vote. It's you know pro for democracy or whatever." And he puts it in, and it's essentially a garbage can with a shredder in it. And when he put his vote in, you can hear the shredder going, and he goes, "That's this. <laughs> that's the sound of democracy in action." <laughs> Yeah, that's unbelievable uh, to me. It's unbelievable. And yeah. and then even when they were caught, they, they weren't going to take them back. Like, they didn't want to take well, them. Well, it's to- legal. How can it be? You're frozen. Okay, you're unfrozen. <laughs> you were saying, we, well, we're it's... rolling? You said, yeah, you said, well, it's legal, and I said, how can it be? Yeah, I don't know how it's legal, but I read that it's legal. It doesn't make sense. Or at least sense. it's not... I shouldn't say it's legal, but it's not illegal. That doesn't... Like, there's no specific law saying you can't do it. Yeah, okay. I mean... Some things are just so obviously wrong, aren't they? Look, don't we need well, I, don't we need I, I Judge Brent Kavanaugh to weigh in on the words that aren't there for something like this? <laughs> and that's a callback. No, it's. I mean, I'm sure it's just. I don't know. I don't think they would have just openly confessed to it if it were not legal. Like mm-hmm. they're not getting in trouble. Yeah, it's crazy. It is really, really. I thought that was insane. In California too, right? So they're. I mean, it's going to be a lot. A lot of Democratic votes. Yeah, and I think it's going to be so many Democratic votes that this stupid election box thing that they're doing isn't going to make a difference. But And hopefully most people are smart enough to know what a real one looks like. Yeah, we, we hope. What are you doing? Oh, is that making sound? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, a lot. I'd say I blame the background noise on you last week. This time it definitely is you. <laughs> it was a little bit me last week, but I'm going to try to sit still in my chair. That's all I got for good times, you? I got nothing Nothing for, good. for good times. It was, uh, honestly, I barely remember this week. <laughs> I don't remember anything earlier than, than Saturday, really. I had such a long day on Saturday. Everything else is gone. But it was a good time. Did you want to talk it about was. that later? Yeah, I've got that okay. closer to fine. Later on, yeah. parting thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Well, moving on then. Bad times. Global COVID cases rose by a one-day record of 400,000 on Friday. And now the... I mean, it's not really fair saying Europe is the big hotspot. That's a lot of countries kind of amalgamated into one. But I guess if you're looking at land mass size, it's probably, you know, if you don't count Russia, it's probably similar sort of U.S. kind of thing. But they said Europe is now the hotspot. So there's... France is, is pretty bad. And I know Belgium's on the uptick again. But worldwide, we now have 39.7 million cases and 1.11 million deaths. So they're still climbing. Yeah, that's not good. And people are still under- people are still saying they don't want to wear a mask. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. I don't understand. There's there's no logic to it. I don't even know how to respond at this point. Like it's just so blatantly obvious to me that like what what are people doing? Yeah, even if it's you know, overstepped by the government. You th- even if you think it's overstepped by the government, the government has to do it because people won't do it unless it's enforced. And they know yeah. that through history. And and the other thing is, don't you just want to do it to be kind to your neighbor? Yeah, you'd think. Like, to not, not potentially kill your neighbor? Yeah, they don't think that way. So many people in the U.S. It's not just from- the U.S. There's actually a couple signs around here. No, I know. I just think it's bigger in the U.S., but it's the... It's the same problem in Canada to a smaller scale and and across all Western nations. It is decades and decades of extreme, rampant 
selfish individualism in under the guise of freedom that has been shoved down the past three or four generations' throats, largely as a reaction to communism through the Cold War, and then it's now just been, it's gotten to the point where even though the Cold War is over, it's become glorified, and to think communally in any way is communist or socialist or anything anything like that. It's It's ridiculous. Yeah, this really shouldn't be a political issue. Like, I don't think it's quite as much a political issue up here, whereas in the U.S. it really has become a political issue, which it it, it shouldn't be. It's just a human issue. Yeah, and I don't know how many times, like, it's public health is not a personal choice issue. It's not. Not not if you plan on interacting with, with with the public. Yeah, exactly. That's why you have to get vaccines before you go to school. And I know there's a lot of anti-vaxxers out there, but I'm sorry, when it comes to the public health, you don't get a choice sometimes. And all of those times, it's just keeping you from making the wrong choice. Ontario had 805 new cases today, which is a lot, but down slightly from the highs. It's been up closer to 900, so it's yeah. good, I guess. Uh, Halton Hills... Sorry, Halton Hill. Uh, I was just going to say Halton Hills, our little area, has had 25 today, which is high for us as well. Yeah, most of the summer we had none. Yeah, or one or two or something. Yeah, yeah, 25 is high for Halton Hills. Yeah. I don't understand how Ontario is getting so much worse, like so much worse than it was in the summer when we were dipping down to like, I think our lowest, the lowest I saw was in the 70s. Yeah, 70s or 80s. It's getting so much worse in Ontario, and Doug Ford is utterly failing to do anything to contain it. You know, like, his his school reopening plans were were horrible, and there's been no alteration, and we're barely scaling back. But he is still in a comfortable majority territory, according to the 338 Canada numbers, which is a, I've said many times, very accurate pollster out of Montreal, uh, run by a man named Philip J. Fournier. Yeah, puts the Ontario PCs at getting 71 seats, and I think you need 60-something for a majority. So I don't understand how people are still approving in any way of Doug Ford. Yeah, it's definitely been bad. But I think when you compare it to the U.S., anybody looks competent. That's not a good comparison. You want to compare it? Compare it to B.C. Yeah, but Compare you... it to a comparable province. Well, yeah, Quebec. We're better than Quebec. Okay, yeah, not a French province. <laughs> No, I'm just saying we're we're in we're inundated with the news from the U.S. and then you yeah. look at how we're doing, and it's like, eh, we're not so bad. We're glad we're here, not there. <laughs> and I think that's the way people we, feel. And that is Canada excuses itself on a lot of things by being slightly better than the U.S. <laughs> and it's like, guys, it's a low bar. Just, yeah, don't aim to be just above the lowest bar. You know, maybe set your sights a little bit higher than that. Yeah. I put this in bad times, but it also has a good times twist at the end. According to a Japanese study, COVID can live on the skin for nine hours. So if you pick it up on your skin, it can be there nine hours later and you rub your eye, you can get it. But, but alcohol-based sanitizer can deactivate it in 15 seconds. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So wash your hands, sanitize, and you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. Well. You never, you never know you're going to be okay. You don't know you're going to yeah. be okay, but that's a major thing for being okay. Yeah. I mean, now maybe I've just been lucky because this is definitely just 
correlation. This is not from study or proof or anything that I've done. This is totally correlative, if that's a word. It is now. I don't think it is. Yeah. Irregardless is a word, anything goes. (laughs) I haven't found it difficult to avoid COVID. I don't do much out. I wash my hands, wear a mask. And I really feel like that if you're doing that regularly, avoiding large gatherings, hand sanitizer, you have to go out in public. I go out in public, I hand sanitize as soon as I enter a store and as soon as I exit a store. I wash my hands once I get home. And and, well, no, not right before I leave, to be honest, but once I get home. And, you know, you keep your mask on and everyone's wearing a mask and it's not... I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just lying to myself because I've just been lucky and haven't got it so far, but which is totally 100% possible. I but think it doesn't seem that difficult to me to be safe. You, there's definitely steps you can take to reduce your risk, and you do those steps, and you are less at risk. And I, I was I was running the other day, and I passed by these older people, and they were talking on the side of the road. And just as I passed it, just as I was passing, one of them said, "Well." You know, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And I almost stopped and said, no, that's wrong. That is yeah. that is 100% wrong. If you, There are steps you can take to mitigate the risk. If you're talking in the grand scheme of things, in God's plan has you getting COVID, okay, you can say that, I guess. But you can't just say, I'm not doing anything. If I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. No, if you do stuff, you're less likely to get it. So why yeah. wouldn't you do it? Like this study deactivated in 15 seconds with a bit of with a bit of Perel. Free plug there for Perel. But it is yeah. by far the best smelling hand sanitizer in my my opinion and that's because they don't try to make it smell like anything else. Yeah. Sanitizer it, mixed with anything is bad almost. I just they all they all are bad. I'll tell you this. I I haven't noticed the different smells so much in all the different hand sanitizers I've used, especially going into stores. What really gets me is the different textures. Yeah, there's some nasty ones. There's some really gross ones. I I squirted on my hands and I'm like, oh, this is bad. I think think when they try to cut it with water to save money, they get, some of them get pretty disgusting. It's just, it's nasty, man. But there's there's some that smell bad. There's, Matt and I went to Indigo in the summer. This was ages ago. But near the beginning when they were squirting everybody with COVID when you walked in, I think they still do. Which is yeah. great of them. Really good of them. There's somebody standing there and they, they sanitize you as soon as you go in. Really, really good of them. That stuff smelled awful. Like you couldn't... And then it's on your hands. You can't get away from your hands. Like they're always attached to you. You can only go an arm's length away from your hands. And then a 59-year-old man in Wichita has been arrested for threatening to kidnap and kill the mayor over the city's mask mandate. Oh, geez. They're getting a little crazy in Wichita. Just just a little. What state is Wichita in? Nobody cares. I don't know. It's in Kansas. Okay, that makes sense. Red state. It's in Kansas. Wichita, Kansas? Really? That sounds yeah. wrong. Okay, I believe you. you sound wrong, Google, knows, Google knows more than me. <laughs> I was going to say a state of depression, a state of shock, in a mentally unfit state if they're trying to kill and kidnap the mayor. Very much so. There's a kind of hush all over the world. Tonight, all over the world, you can hear the All over the world. First thing, a teacher named Samuel Paddy was beheaded 
outside his school in France. And the reason was he was showing pupils cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in his freedom of speech class. And it was a, I guess, offensive picture. I never actually saw the picture, but somehow offensive picture. You're not supposed to show pictures of the Prophet Muhammad. Full stop, period. Ah, Well, this was a, I mean, obviously it's not a Polaroid. No depiction of the Prophet Muhammad. Peace upon him. Why? I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting because that's kind of the opposite of Christianity. Yeah, it is. Right? There's like pictures of God and Jesus and Mary everywhere. Yes, it is. They, they certainly do like their pictures. And I'm just wondering why. The di- I'm just, it's just interesting how the different religions develop. Like one you can't yeah, have any yeah. pictures of. And they're you, you'd both think Abrahamic if, religions. They're very close to each other. You, you'd think if you were worshipping... Do they, do they actually worship Muhammad or he's just a prophet? Mm, I think... I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think Muhammad is most comparable to Jesus and Allah is God. Right. So, they, so then do they worship... Because I would say Christians worship Jesus... Yeah. Does Islam worship Muhammad? In which case, had it, it, it's, it's a, it would seem to be more difficult without a, some sort of picture. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're allowed them in mosques. I don't know. All I know is that it is offensive to depict Muhammad if you're Islamic in, in life. I I mean, yeah, those would be the people who are offended. But listen, I I, I don't want it to come across like this. So I am not justifying a beheading, but. If you are teaching in a school or addressing a, cl- a crowd or in any sort of public role, authority figure in the room, I think it's your job to try to be respectful of all religions. Well, this is what I want to know as well. I don't know if he was like, I know it was a freedom of speech class, so he could have been showing cartoons of everybody's religious icons. Okay, I, but again, I don't it's not know. The same. I guess, but it's not the same even if he was because it is not offensive to any other religion as far as I know to depict a picture of their I I don't I don't think that's true. I mean, not just okay, for a picture, yes, but if they're but you can put God or Jesus in cartoons that would be offensive to Christians. Yeah, like they're both characters in Family Guy and they do things that would be offensive to Christians, but the depiction itself of god or christ is not offensive like the fact that there is a picture is not offensive like it could have been a very friendly cartoon who said like maybe it's a kid's cartoon that he's showing them and it's uh just a cartoon because it's for kids nah, he the was fact- naked or something i think it was like it was it was in a it was in a french political satire magazine okay but still Again, but still not the point. My, my point is it doesn't matter how he was depicted. It was the fact that he was depicted, whereas something in Christianity, offense would come from the matter in which the uh, God or Christ is depicted. And even then, only to some Christians. Like, some Christians would have a sense of humor and be like, this is a joke. Who cares? But, you know, the humorless, boring ones would, would probably take offense. Uh, that's a pretty fine line. I, I think it's a very clear line. Don't show a depiction of the Prophet Muhammad, full stop, period. You're in the clear. But it's okay to show, like, on Family Guy, God and Jesus in situations where Christians would find it offensive? No, no. Arguably, you shouldn't. But they do Um, it in the name of comedy and satire. So then, why, if you're offending Christians, then you should be able to offend Muslims. 
Okay, okay, okay. That maybe in a comedic cartoon with that type of humor, not in a classroom. But it's in a in a general classroom. I would one hundred percent agree with you. But it was a freedom of speech class, and there's so I mean I don't know exactly what was said while he was talking and while he was showing, obviously. But it, it's a freedom of speech class, so I don't I don't know. I think you can have a discussion about whether or not you should be allowed. Regardless, cutting a guy's head off seems a little extreme. Yes, that is wrong. We're definitely getting off track. It, you you should not cut off people's head for any reason. It was an 18-year-old, apparently egged on by one of the fathers from uh, one of the girls in this class. Oh, jeez. And uh, now 11 people have been taken into custody. The 18-year-old was shot by the police, and 11 other people are now in custody. Oh, jeez. Yeah, not good. And, you know, like, I can't imagine what that teacher's family is going through right now. And I, uh, you know, my heart my heart goes out to them. He had death threats and stuff. And then, it, you know, I guess, I don't know if he didn't take it seriously. Or maybe he took it seriously, but somebody didn't take it seriously enough. I'm not sure. But obviously, something to keep an eye on. And, I mean, you got to take those threats seriously. Yeah. Also in France, Paris, and several other large cities have a curfew now 9 p.m to 6 a.m that was imposed by the government to try to curve the spread of covid they say it's going to affect about 20 million people and be going for a month you know this might be what you have to do to to get rid of it although it's it is bad for business for sure it's bad for nightlife i think in europe 9 p.m is when most of them have dinner yeah or just start to go out for dinner so it'll definitely It'll have an effect on their economy, but you have to nip this in the bud while there's no vaccine. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to. I mean, listen, if people aren't going to do the smart thing, then that's what you got to do. Yeah. And it's going to be worse for business if everybody dies. Probably, although nobody will care. (laughs) True. Be a lot less protests. Anyway, Armenia and Azerbaijan are fighting. Yes. So they agreed to a truce. Second truce they've had. Within minutes... They were fighting again. It was broken. Oh, jeez. Feels like feels like they, they need to, I don't know, work a little harder. On, work a little Maybe, harder yeah. on those truces. <laughs> uh, of course, they're blaming each other. It's always, it's never, nobody said, yeah, we, we broke it. Nobody did that. They blame, each of them blamed the other one. Yeah, no, that was us. That was us. Our bad. <laughs> Oops. And finally, back home in Canada, I just didn't know where to put this one, but it, it sort of had to be said. A 1984, a nine-year-old girl named Christine Jessup was killed. And I remember that. It was quite some time ago, but, but I remember. And I remember Guy Paul Moran being convicted of that crime. And I remember when DNA exonerated him and he got out. And then since then, they didn't know who had killed Christine. But this week, thanks to more DNA advances, they've they've learned the killer's name. He's committed suicide a few years ago, so he's he's dead already. But at least the family now has a has a bit of peace, uh, knowing who it was. And it turned out it was a family friend or someone who was I don't know how close to the family, but someone that knew the family. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I feel like it often is. Yeah. Um, but still, always hard to hear. But. But yeah, what I've read is that they feel mostly, like, obviously they're sad, but they feel, you know, some peace and closure. You? All over the world? Yeah, 
I got one thing. Um, yesterday, New Zealand had their election, and it was uh, history-making. Jacinda Ardern, popular prime minister, icon of mine, we've talked about her before on the on the show, of the Labour Party, led her party to Labour's biggest victory in over 50 years, and the first time that any party has gotten a majority government under their new proportional representation system. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that is a big deal. I uh, Germany's had proportional representation for, I believe, longer than uh, New Zealand, and I don't think they've ever had a majority government. Like, majority governments under proportional representation... Don't just, happen. I mean, they just don't happen. They just don't happen. Yeah. So that's huge. That's a huge vote of confidence from the, the people of New Zealand. Now, it does... I do think that this is... People are going to point to this as a failing of proportional representation because her Labour Party got 49% of the votes, but 53% of the seats, and then... 100% of the power. And and the whole point of proportional representation is trying to keep it to minority governments so that, you know, parties have to work together and you get more representation in government. But I would argue that it's more of a fluke in proportional representation than anything. How did they manage to get 49% of the vote and 53% of the seats? Well, because there's cutoff thresholds where, you know, like people who voted for parties that didn't get any seats because proportional representation works that if you get less than a certain percentage of the votes, you don't get a seat. Right. Because otherwise, you know, if you don't put one of those cutoffs just mathematically, you end up having to award almost like half seats, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't work if you don't do a cutoff. Yeah. So there's always a little bit of discrepancy. But, I mean, listen, if when was the last time in Canada somebody got 49% of the vote? Like, that is a huge portion of the vote. So it makes sense that it translates to a huge portion of the seats. And democracy is never a perfect system. And, and you end up with a majority government, yeah, you're going to get 100% of the power. That's just how it's going to work. But if you want to get into the and, numbers... And people obviously want her to have 100% of the power. If they didn't, they yeah. wouldn't have voted for her. This is a shift from the last election, and she was doing such a good job that they're giving her a vote of confidence and want her to have 100% of the power. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's like any other government that's a majority. They have 100% of the power. Yeah, exactly. But I would argue that this is still a better system because 49% of the population is giving her 100% of the power. But let's not talk about power for a second. Let's talk about votes to seats. 49% of the vote, 53% of the seats. 4% discrepancy. 2019, the Liberals got 33% of the vote, 46% of the seats. A 13% discrepancy. And even then, they didn't get a majority, but go back to 2015, 39.5% of the votes, 54.4, basically half, but 54.4% of the seats, which is a 15% discrepancy. Like, even if you say this isn't, this shows that proportional representation isn't perfect. Yeah, what is perfect, it's still so much better than what we have. It's it's you reduce 10% of the discrepancy there. Yeah, and it it if you get if you can win a majority in a proportional election, good on you. You're popular yeah, yeah. across the country, which 
I mean, in something the size of New Zealand, I, I don't think comparing Germany and New Zealand is quite fair because Germany is way more people. It's just it's the more people you have, the and the and the, and also more the bigger people. and also the bigger the country, the harder the harder yeah. it becomes to get a majority. So Ger- yeah, it'll it will probably never have a majority in Germany. It's just yeah. a big country with lots of people, lots of areas. I mean, big country, big for Europe. And you know everybody want everybody has their own interests and they're going to vote for their own thing. New Zealand is a small country with not that many people, and they're happy with the leader right now. So I think it's it's feasible. You could see a situation like this coming up there where they get a majority in Canada. If we had it here, there would never be a majority. Never. No. 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 But that's fine. Yeah. No. That's that's absolutely fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. The only thing um, I would say is it leads to more elections, which I don't like. But well. We say it leads to more elections, and I bet you at off the top it would, but what's happened in, in Germany, for example, is they ha- they've had full terms for the past 14, 15 years because the Christian Democratic Party or the whatever it is, it's the CDU and the SDP, they run against each other in elections, but, but they know they're... that they're going to have a coalition. Yeah. Like, they go into it knowing, and they're so used to working with each other that they have stable coalitions for the full term. And that's often what happens in places like Germany. Even in BC, where there's a minority parliament, they were going, they're going into an early election, but that's because the government party screwed over the minority party. It wasn't the minority party that backed out. Like, they could have had a stable government for four years. Yep. Um, The Greens were ready to support them. Like, it definitely in the beginning, I think there would be probably elections every year and a half for maybe the first four elections because the parties would just not be used to getting along but i think they would figure it out and in the long run it would be much better and you'd probably end up with lots of green ndp liberal coalitions all around there maybe i can see over time if the liberal ndp green sort of groupings dominate in the beginning I can see the liberals maybe moving towards the right a bit to a point where they can work with the conservatives, maybe. But I want to share something just that I learned about New Zealand through this election. They have... A lot of sheep. Yes, but they have special seats in their parliament. I think there are eight. I don't know why I think that, so maybe there's a whole bunch more. But they are allocated towards New Zealand's indigenous population. And anybody can run in them, but only people from New Zealand's indigenous group, whose name I will not try to pronounce because I will not be able to say it right, can vote for those seats. And they overlap, like they overlap with some other seats, but because it's kind of separate, I feel like it doesn't quite matter that they overlap. But it's to ensure that there is some specific representation for sorry there are seven seats seven electorates but it's just to ensure that there are people in new zealand's parliament that are specifically representing the needs of their indigenous population so those the indigenous population can only vote for those seven seats they don't vote for the rest i'm not a hundred percent sure on that to be honest well it would have to be that way otherwise you're getting two votes yeah yeah, so maybe it is like that, or maybe they get a choice. Maybe they can vote for one or the other. But I'm not, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. But what? Sh- but guess, guess when this system started? Uh, 1987. 1867. 
1867? Yeah, that was when our residential school system was first taking off. That wow. was way before indigenous people in our country could even vote. That's that's pretty forward thinking, I gotta say. Well, and... Are you sure that's not a typo on Wikipedia? 100% sure. It's multiple times. The establishment of the indigenous electorates came about in 1867 during the term of the fourth parliament with the Indigenous Representation Act drafted by a parliamentarian... They passed the act only after lengthy debate. It was passed during a period of warfare between the government and several northern indigenous tribes and was seen as a way to reduce the conflict between the races in the future. The act originally agreed to set up four electorates, especially for the indigenous people, three in the north and one covering the whole South Island. The four seats were a fairly modest concession on a per capita basis at the time. Many conservatives MPs, many of whom considered them unfit to participate in government, Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, 1867. Wow. Um, passed by Don McLean. Oh, uh, he, then he wrote American Pie after that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that shocks me. But in a way, it doesn't, because New Zealand was also the first country in the world to give women the right to vote. I did not know that. Yeah. So they are quite forward thinking. 18 on, yeah, 1893, after these indigenous representation seats. But still, 1893, way way ahead of the rest. It it was shocking to me, but like I think that's because I live in Canada, where we we don't really learn about the other side of the world. No, no, I was about to say where we uh, oppressed Indigenous people to this day, and we'll more on that later. That was crazy to me. But I mean, like in a great way. Good on them. TNT, and we always start with Trudeau, and and I want to continue that, but I am gonna just say right now. I did not watch the town hall shows, the town halls, either of them. I just watched the SNL skit. I figured that was good enough. Yeah. You get the highlights. Yeah. All right. Start off with Trudeau. Uh, he was talking about national norms for nursing nursing homes, which is currently run by the provinces. Uh, he, he says he doesn't want to step on the province's toes. He understands that it's province provincial jurisdiction. But he wants national norms, and and mostly he wants the provinces that have done a good job to share what they've done, how they've done it with the provinces who have done the less than good job. With Ontario. But it also got me thinking, if you you start doing that, I mean, that is essentially healthcare. Is this this just starting into a a national norm for healthcare, which will probably eventually lead to national healthcare, which kind of think is a good idea i don't, I don't I know think it's a brilliant idea and i think this pandemic has shown that and i was actually going to bring that up because the other day i was thinking about it because right now anyone in alberta who is asymptomatic can walk in to any shopper's drug mart and get a covid test for free except for me because i don't have an alberta health card I have an Ontario health card, but that doesn't count. I don't have an Alberta health card. So even though I'm asymptomatic, even though I'm living in Alberta, interacting with Albertans, I cannot go get an easy test. Is it the spit test? I don't know. Or the tickle your brain test? I don't know. But I think that's ridiculous. Why won't... I mean, it's free either way. I'm going to get a free one, whether or not I mean I have to make an appointment, or I don't know, actually. I don't know if I can even do it, to be honest. But... If I'm living in this province, and this is the province where if I get sick, I will affect, it's stupid that I can't get a test because I my health card is from another province. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's and there's lots of people there's lots of people go to school out of province yeah yeah it is it's difficult for me to get any sort of health care in alberta because it's always a hassle with my Ontario health card. Like it works, it happens, but it's a hassle. And I don't see why it should be. We all live in the same country. And why, and then you get into, you know, why are there different standards of health care in different provinces? There shouldn't be. And I'll tell you this, this is going to be important. I'm going to talk about this later, but this is a good segue into it. The United Conservative Party, that is the current governing party of Alberta, adopted recently, not as like the law in Alberta, this was an internal United Conservative Party policy convention thing. And they decided through a majority vote, 53% of their MLAs decided that the party should advocate for the introduction of private health care into Alberta. Yeah, I mean, a lot of places, they don't say it, but there is private health care in Ontario. The, we have- we have tons of private health care. We don't even, I won't even say, I was having this discussion earlier today, actually. I don't even, Canada doesn't have free health care. We have free diagnosis. We'll tell you what's wrong with you for free. But if you want treatment, you need drugs, you better hope you have insurance. You need glasses, better hope you have insurance. You need therapy, better hope you have insurance. Dentist, better hope you have insurance. Because if you don't, you're paying in pocket. But all that stuff is relatively inexpensive. Relatively. If you, if you need to, if you... It's relatively inexpensive. It's not... If you have a baby, it doesn't cost you a dime. If you have to have open-heart surgery, it doesn't cost you a dime. Right? Okay, but... Those things, are, you, those things are serious money. The drugs for after your surgery? Yeah, there's going to be some, some payment there. Should it be covered? Yeah, probably. But to say we only have diagnosis isn't true. There's a lot of very expensive procedures that are covered. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But, you know, things like poor dental hygiene or or poor dental anything has been linked through multiple studies to a shorter life expectancy, not necessarily, no, sorry, not even not necessarily, not because the person didn't take care of their teeth, but even if something just happens and you can't afford to get the proper dental surgery, it can kill you. That It happens. I read if, that study and I read one of those on a, TV screen sitting in the Yellowknife dentist, and I always wondered who did that study. I suspect dentists. That's just my maybe, suspicion. Maybe, but uh, I mean, people always point to th- th- that as an example of why we need free dental care, and I doubt dentists want that because I promise you they'll be making less money. But I will say, I will say, even if you don't, even if you don't look after your teeth, even if you have horrible dental hygiene, that's not a good enough reason to say, well, then you deserve to die. If you that, don't look after that's assuming that dentist. that's assuming that link is a hundred percent accurate. I I never looked into it. I should. I just I'm not. I'm not sure. I buy that. Like it's if it, it feels like a dodgy study, and I've only ever seen it in the Yellowknife dentist's office or or dentist's <laughs> office, like a dentist Maybe, office. But it's the only place I've ever seen that. <laughs> Maybe, but my overall point is that they should be paying for more money. Yeah, money should never keep you from accessing healthcare because being poor without insurance should not be either condemning you to death or a condemnation to being deeper and deeper and deeper in debt because you have to take out money to pay for your drugs. Yeah, and there are very Which expensive happens. drugs. I mean, if you're diabetic and you're not in, you don't have insurance, it's a problem. Yeah, and and it is not talked about enough what percentage and I don't know the number, but I remember when I saw the number, it shocked me. What percentage of Canadians have 
skipped out on uh, taking a dosage of a life-saving drug so that they could have dinner that night. Yeah, I'm sure or vice it's versa. higher, than you'd, higher than you'd think. Yeah, because not all employers offer insurance and not all employers offer extensive insurance. And then even then, relying on insurance, insurers don't want to pay for your treatment. Yeah, they definitely try to get out of it for the mo- for the most part. There's, there's, I mean, we've never had an issue with anything major. Maybe the odd receipt here and there because whatever you forgot to fill out some paperwork, but but I, I don't think we could. We as a family, anyway, I don't think we can complain that the insurance hasn't been there for us. They always have been. But yes, but, but you're right. I mean, in in general, and I think. I think now more than ever, you pay more for insurance, so you more you're closer to covering what you take versus maybe yeah. maybe maybe twenty or thirty years ago when you weren't, and then they were maybe a little less likely to to pay out. Yeah, I I think I think can I think we get by we excuse ourselves on having a subpar healthcare system. The only quote unquote universal healthcare system in the world, by the way, where we do not offer pharmacare, free prescription drugs as well, and we get away with it and we let ourselves get away with it because we're not America. Yeah, I feel like the drugs should be included. I've always thought that, especially for things like, like well, I mean, I just come back to diabetes. I mean, you know, whatever the one is that you're, especially the one that you're born with, I mean, that's of no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just your pancreas isn't working properly or whatever it is and you end up needing this medication to save your life and the people that invented it were canadians and they wanted to give it away but the drug companies took it over and and now charge you know hundreds if not thousands of dollars i don't know exactly how much i know it's very expensive but you know and people need this people take it every day they're taking doses every day multiple times a day yeah and i mean i've said it i've said it before in different scenarios on this show but I think there are tons of things where I understand why when the Constitution was written, it was a provincial matter because it needed to be held, uh, handled more directly. You know, it was harder to travel, harder to communicate. But in today's day and age of streamlined communication, and you can get across the country in just a few hours, a lot more could be and should be a federal responsibility. We should definitely have better national standards because there is no excuse why someone in Ontario is getting worse long-term care than somebody in BC. There's no reason for that other than we just let it be. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think this is a good step, this national norms for nursing homes. We'll see where Justin goes with it. I hope it goes further. I want. I meant to say this okay. earlier off the top. I mean, October 17th is a big day for us. It's because, you know, it's now the two-year anniversary of cannabis legalization in Canada. Yeah, it's exciting. It's also Dylan's Very birthday. Exciting. No, but that's less important. <laughs> but I you've been around for 20 years more years. You've been around for 20 more yeah, years than the weed that legalization. Just makes me old news. That makes me old news. Oh. I accepted two years ago that my birthday will forever be overshadowed by two years of weed. <laughs> 20 more years, October 17th, is going to be National Weed Day, and it's going to be a stat day. No, that'll always be, what is it? Uh, April 20th? Yeah, 420. 420? They should have legalized it on 420. Yeah, that would have made the most. I feel like that's too much of a joke. They, like, got, they only had much. to. They only had to wait a couple more months. Like nobody would have. Well, or done yeah. it a bit earlier. Yeah, I think they struggled with getting it done. It was supposed to be done earlier, right? But it, yeah, it yeah, took. It, was. it took some. There was some delays. So, I mean, what's after you delayed it six months? What's another five or six to get it in April? April twentieth. That would have yeah. been better. Yeah. 
Moving out east, there is lobster dispute, really a, a fishing dispute going on in Canada at the moment. And it, it started a long time ago, and I have a bit of history on it because I was curious exactly what was happening out there. So in 1752, we signed the Peace and Friendship Treaty, which I I can't get over the name. Like, it's, it's unbelievable to me <laughs> that they call it the Peace and yeah. Friendship Treaty. But anyway, that's what it's called. And this promised the, I'm going to say, Micmac. Is that right? Yeah, it is Micmac. Yep. This promised the Micmac the right to hunt and fish their lands and establish trade. And then it was based... Wanna... Go ahead. Sorry, I want to interject... Uh, just just a, a wording point, really. I I don't think it was ever a right that we had to give. I guess, the yeah, that we had to give. I think it was already definitely a right they had, and we just promised we'd respect it. Yeah, okay. I, I just think that's... And the, the, I just think that's an important differentiation to make because... If, if, yeah. if the government limits other people, they can't limit them, is basically what yes. it is. Yes. So that this this treaty basically was ignored... Until 1999, when the Canadian Supreme Court issued a ruling that the Mi'kmaq and Maliseet people have the right not just to sustain themselves by hunting and fishing, but to earn a moderate livelihood, even in the off-season. Now, the term moderate livelihood left a little bit of a gray area. There's been uh, some dispute over what that means. But the Mi'kmaq have decided to open their own lobster fishery operating outside the province's commercial lobster fishery in Nova Scotia to take advantage of this. Well, to just use the rights that they have. So they issued 11 licenses for now, and the non-Indigenous fishermen are upset and some have rioted against the group, uh, lighting on fire a lobster pound that's being used by the Mi'kmaq fishermen, damaging their boats and cars, uh, threatening their lives, like their lives, death threats, threatening to burn them. There was. There was fire set. There was fire set, but yeah, but there was nobody in the, they didn't set the fires while the people were in there. They got them out first, but they threatened, they said, we're going to burn this, so get out. And they had to get out. There was a couple people in one of them. So it's a, it's a bit of, you know, the, the RCMPers have sent some people, but not nearly enough. Like there's a riot going on with hundreds of people and they send, you know, like five officers or ten officers or something. It's not going to control the riots. Yeah. And although you have to be, I mean, the policing in this situation, this situation obviously is is hard because you don't want to look like you're beating up anybody, right? You can't go in and start beating people down with billy clubs. Well, I wish they'd tried that hard during the wet sweat and... Look, tried that hard to look good during the wet sweatin' protests on the railways, however long ago that was. I mean, they were so quick to storm in there and disperse that and had a few disputes. There was never, like, any huge beatings, but there was there was some tense moments, and they, like, went full force on that. But when it's white people, white settlers committing the crime, well, five officers, and be careful, don't want to hurt anybody. There was some tense moments. They should have sent more guys. They should have sent the same amount. They should have put the same amount of effort into dispersing the the settler mob as they did the Wet'suwet'en rail blockades. And I, to me, that is a point of 
systemic racism in the RCMP, where if it's indigenous people committing what they consider a crime, well, we're going to throw everything we have at it. Although, did they do that? Did they do that? Let's do five officers. Did they do that in the first day, though? Or that was a longer blockade. And I don't think it was day one or two where they sent all those officers in. If if I'm thinking of the same place. Well, I'm just saying you can't make that call yet. They may send a lot more officers in in the coming days if the riots continue. Maybe. I just, I'm not... You're jumping to the conclusion, that's all, I think. You can't make, if it's not the same situation, then you can't make the same call. On the first call for that blockade, how many officers did they send on that first day to try to break it up? I... Okay, but again, it's I, I would argue I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I will admit, but one was a peaceful protest, a very disruptive but peaceful protest. Let's um, I, I, we'll see how it plays out, and then we, then we can compare the two more. Yeah, clearly. I think you have to. I think you have to wait uh, to see how they play out before you can compare. Although, you know, I th- I think once you start burning things down, they should be sending more cops in. It's just a it's just a mess out there. Yeah, and so now, to be I mean to be clear, what the settler fishermen who are you know attacking the indigenous fishermen are saying is that this these new micmac licenses are threatening their livelihoods and their hulls by overfishing the waters which is i'm gonna swear here bullshit because there are well over 100 licenses issued to white settler fishermen and all of them have way more traps than the 11 licensed Micmac fishermen. Yeah. They, they, so, you know, there is a there is a off-season, though, where you're not allowed to, right? Except the Micmac are allowed to. No, I know. I think that's what they're... I think that's where the complaint comes in. Because yeah, yeah. they can do it in the season where the fish are replenishing and mating and giving birth and whatnot. They're worried it's going to... But that's listen. It's a, it's a nice it's a it's a way to make their argument look like it's for the conservation of the fish, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. If you're that concerned, fish less in the on season, and then there will be more in the off season to replenish. It's it's that simple. And what I think a lot of people misunderstand about all of our treaties with the indigenous people of this country. They are not an outline of special rights that indigenous people get. They are special rights that we get to live on their land. And they, yeah, they get to do things that we don't get to do. That's because they were here way before us. You do have to be, I don't know, I don't think 11 people is going to make an issue. But you, if this is, you do have to be careful. You don't want the lobsters to become extinct on the East Coast. Yeah, yes, yes, I agree. But I think the problem is not the, the 11 Micmac. I think it's the, the the decades of overfishing by the well over 100, maybe hundreds of Nova Scotia fishermen. Basically, we're on the same page that the, the fishermen are, are in the wrong here. The, not the Micmac fishermen, the commercial fishermen out there right now. Yeah. Just just to sum yeah. up. That's, yes, they are. Yes. And, and the police need to get control of what's going on out there. Absolutely. Now, we... We do want to stay consistent on how we want to see the policing. Yes. All right, moving on. This is uh, kind of a both a Trudeau and Trump, so I put it at the end. But there's discussion about the Canada-U.S. border closure. It's currently set to reopen on October 21st. 
Now, Trudeau has implied that the closure will be extended. Trump, however, has said, we're looking at the border with Canada. Canada would like to open it. So we're going to be opening the borders pretty soon. We want to get back to normal business. I think he maybe misunderstood Trudeau's implication if he thinks that we want to open the borders because we don't. We don't. I think he wasn't paying attention and then just made up whatever he wanted. That could be. That could be. He may not know. I doubt he could find Canada on the map, but I think, I think, I mean, I don't think this is going to end soon. Right now, you look at things like the NHL, they're talking about, you know, in January, starting up the, the, the next season, and they're talking about an all-Canadian league because you can't be going back and forth across the border. Yeah. So right. this, this isn't going to end. I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what conditions I would want to see happen in the U.S. before I want the border open, but I'll tell you this, they're nowhere near that right now. No, they're ways off. I I don't want that border opened anytime soon. Because I'd be like, don't you think? I don't know. Maybe I'm a hundred percent wrong. Because people said they were going to move up here after Trump got elected, and nobody did. Essentially, nobody did. But I feel yeah. like I feel like they'd say, okay, the border's open, and there'd just be like a bunch of people coming up saying, I'm getting out of this sick area, I'm going up I north. Think so too. I think people would come to their cottages, come to like. You know the secluded whatever. Uh, I I think there would be a big influx, and I God, I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, I I hope they keep them close. I'll tell you, I found some. I heard something interesting. Anyway, they're talking about international travel in in India, and they're not they're not planning on accepting sort of international planes other than some Air India planes until April. I mean, I don't blame them. And you know what really scares me? Sorry, just to double back for a second. Spiders. What really scares me about the thought of, you know, Americans flooding into the country to go to their cottages and stuff to wait out the coronavirus. A lot of those things, a lot of, you know, cabin country is up in places like Muskoka in Ontario that is largely surrounded by retirement communities. Yeah, if it gets sick up there, it's going to be a big problem. That's our most vulnerable population. What makes sense to me is where the Americans would want to go is where our most vulnerable population is, and also smaller, smaller hospitals. Not as much, yeah. Not as much healthcare system in place. Yeah, it's really the worst place where we could have outbreaks. So yeah, that. I mean, I don't think it's going to be open. I don't think Trudeau is going to open that border anytime soon. No, that wouldn't be smart. No, and and I don't think Trudeau's very smart, but I don't think he's that dumb. Um, he has people around him that are smart. Yeah, yeah. So I think that border will be closed for a while. It, I mean, even the fact that Trump's thinking about opening it, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because there's no downside for America. It's not like we're going to make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> not, Don't let those Canadians like, in. Oh, God, we got to get to America right now. Yeah. No, it's open. I'm still staying here. Yeah, it's like, that's great. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's going to be closed. It, it, it'll stay closed. It just will. All right. Do you, you have any Trudeau? I got one for Trudeau, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Trudeau. It's back to BC, and last week I talked about the BC Liberals getting in trouble because one of their candidates made some misogynistic comments. Well, they found themselves in hot water again this week in a campaign where they really needed to go off flawlessly. Like, the NDP were going in there in high polls, and the BC Liberals really needed to do things perfectly. And they have had so many stumbles, more than I've bothered talking about. But there was another one that really stuck with me, where in a all-candidates debate, a riding debate, not like a province-wide leaders debate, just like a riding debate, 
one of the BC Liberal candidates compared the NDP's plan to provide free contraceptives to low-income individuals to eugenics, saying that they were trying to reduce the pop. They were trying to force poor people. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is not exactly what he said, but the, what he implied, and almost exactly what he said, was that the NDP was trying to force poor people to have less kids so that they didn't have to deal with, with having poor people in the province. Sorry, this is giving them free contraceptives? Yes. They weren't going to go around and, and put the condoms on people for them. Yeah, no, no, no. Just just giving You them must free- wear this all at all times. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's, that's overstepping. Yeah. Yeah, that is overstepping. I agree. Can I see your T four? You know, if you're if you're under thirty thousand on your T four, you. I'm sorry. I need to. I need to put this on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I mean, it's such a false equivalency. It's ridiculous. It's inflammatory. It's. I mean, frankly, insulting to the dark history of eugenics that both Alberta and BC have where thousands of women were forcibly sterilized in Alberta and BC throughout the 20th century. And so to compare the two is almost insulting to their memory, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, the, the NDP's talking about putting condoms in a bowl and saying, yeah. you know, help yourself. Yeah, put it outside City Hall. Yeah. <laughs> One per customer. Yeah, that's all it is. And, and, and it's actually a very... Uh, study after study has shown that it's a it's a great thing for public health because it leads to less unwanted pregnancies and less well, STDs. Made, well, they yeah, aren't called STDs. they aren't called STDs anymore, are STIs. they? STIs. Yeah. STIs. Something that's never made sense to me. I've never understood how anybody could be against birth control and abortions. So if you are in the BC Liberals are conservative, but that's more likely I mean that's so, Catholicism in a nutshell. I mean if you're it is it if makes you're, no sense. if you're if you're but, like so, down that if you're I, I mean the Pope is probably against both those things. In general, I, actually not this Pope has said that birth control is acceptable in some situations. But uh, <laughs> what's that mean when you're having sex? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? What uh, what other situations are you going to use it? I, I think he's. He's talked about it in, in Africa to try to reduce some population issues and, and, and some sexually transmitted uh, infection issues. But my point is, if you're against abortion, you should absolutely be pro-birth control. It reminds will me reduce of- abortions, which will reduce medical costs, not only in abortions, but in like, you know, the whole process of giving birth. It reduces medical costs to the province, which is a lot more expensive than just, you know, going to Shoppers Drug Mart, buying some condoms and then giving them out for free. The... It reminds um, me of that Monty Python song. I think it's Meaning of Life. Uh, Every sperm is sacred. I don't know it, oh. but... That's, should Google it after. Be, I mean, there are many, many reasons why giving free contraceptives is a brilliant plan. It is good for... Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great socioeconomic idea. And to compare it to eugenics at all, there is literally no link. So that candidate got water... Sorry, what happened with the 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 woman you were talking about last week? Anything? Did anything come of that? Heard, no, I haven't heard anything. Well, BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson said that he deeply regrets not speaking up in the moment, and I'm like, yeah, I bet you do now, because <laughs> I was caught. I deeply regret it. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I doubt he gave it a second thought until it came back to yeah. haunt him. Oh man, I regret said, that I now. Regret that. 
Yeah, I deeply regret how much this is going to hurt my chances of being premier. (laughs) (laughs) But in the interest of bipartisanship, star NDP candidate Nathan Cullen, who would be a familiar name to many people who follow politics to an unhealthy degree like myself, he was one of the NDP's star MPs federally from BC for a... um, for a very long time, and then he retired, didn't run in 2019, but is now running for a provincial seat in the riding of Stinky, I believe. S-T-I-N-K-E. I I'm assuming the like, e, is, e is silent. Maybe I'm spelling it wrong. It's definitely not pronounced Stinky, um, but Stickin-E. Ah. Uh, S-T-I-K-I-N-E. Okay. Anywho. Yeah, so Nathan Cullen, he's running there, and he is gonna run away with it but he is in hot water because he put he was caught in a hot mic putting his foot in his mouth and to be honest i don't fully understand exactly what what he did but he compared he he made some insensitive comments about the bc liberal candidate implying that he was not well liked in his community and was made fun of and, and made fun of the candidate's nickname stinky no <laughs> No, that's the writing. Oh. So he, he's apologized for that. It's an indigenous candidate that he was making fun of. And Nathan Collins, Nathan Collins said he's not well liked in his own community. The guy's going to get bedrock 20%. He then went on to laugh about Jones Jr.'s, and, and the BC liberal candidate was Roy Jones Jr., supposed nickname saying his nickname is Kinkles. He offered an apology on Sunday morning saying that he can do better and he needs to do better i mean it, to me it seems i, I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm curious what i don't i don't understand why kinkles uh, maybe it's my age is kinkles funny i don't know what does it mean what is uh, what does his nickname is kinkles mean I, I i don't know i maybe it's just a funny sounding word i i can't even find a bad definition but but people were Upset, upset with him for it. making fun of the candidate or saying that he wasn't well liked. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Ellis Ross, I'm just looking it up now to try to get more details. I Maybe I'm just not educated enough about BC Indigenous issues. But Ellis Ross is another BC candidate. Colin said, Colin's comments were disgusting. NDP claimed to be Indigenous allies and champions of reconciliation, but this is the worst I've ever heard. Roy Jones Jr. is a good man and a good friend. The NDP division strategy should not be allowed in our native and non-native communities. So I'm assuming it's some sort of offensive term. But either way, I have to say that, again, I think that Nathan Collins only apologizing because He he got caught. This is not the first time Nathan Collins has faced controversy this election because the NDP has, the British Columbia NDP has a mandate that when a male MLA who is, I believe, over 60 vacates a riding, the party must look for a woman or member of an equity-seeking group, so a minority, to replace him. That is their mandate. And and when Nathan Cullen was seeking this nomination, there was only one other person seeking the nomination who was an Indigenous woman. And they defied their mandate and picked this white man over the indigenous woman because he had star power. That's not his Um, fault. I would say it's not Nathan Cullen's fault. I mean, I I don't know. 
I think he just should have conceded as soon as Anita McPhee was the other woman put her name in. He should have just said, it's yours. Our party rules are this, so it's yours. Maybe, but also the rest of the party should have said, our party rules are this, so we're going to vote for her. Yeah, I think it's everyone's fault, except for Anita McPhee's. Everyone in the NDP. And the people but, that voted uh, for Anita McPhee. I'm assuming there's some sort of vote. I don't know no, how does it I work. Think, I think it was an appointment, I think. Oh, somebody just picks. So it's really just one guy's fault. Or, yeah, or a party council, I don't know. But anyway, both parties are in hot water. The party that's been praised the most this whole election is the Greens for having no scandals and for their leader's fantastic performance in the leader's debate, but voters do not seem ready to award or reward the Greens for running a fantastic campaign. They're going to give the NDP a huge majority because they, I mean, they've, they've done some good stuff governing, but... This election, I feel like they've been sketchy. They need to change the Greens. I'll say it every... They need to change their name. (laughs) They do. People don't want to... They think it's a one-issue party without even looking at any platforms or any literature. It's like, oh, the Green Party. Yeah, it's like Greenpeace. The Green Party leader leader in the the British Columbia leaders debate spent more time talking about the economy than she did about climate change. Like I said... In NWT, they are the only party that wanted a nuclear power plant in the province. It makes sense. Their financial policies are right of the NDP in most cases, at least federally. I I would say they're... It's interesting because the Greens almost defy left and right. Like, they have some left-wing members, they have some right-wing members, but their policies... I would say orbit the NDP. Some are left, some are right, some are similar. But yes, you're right, you're right. Some of their fiscal policies are definitely right of the NDP. But nobody, Um, if you asked Canadians to rank fiscal policies from left to right by party, the Greens would be on the far left. But that's not the way it is. Yeah, no, not really. You know, Annamie Paul, running in the Toronto Centre by-election, just scored the endorsement of the Conservative candidate in that riding from 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've heard a few people say she deserves to win from multiple parties, but has the the NDP dropped? Sorry? Did the NDP drop their candidate yet? No, but there was an article in the Toronto Sun co-written by a a liberal, an NDP, and a conservative all saying Annamie Paul deserved to win. Yeah, I don't know how they came up with that, but like, why does she deserve to win? Oh, I mean, it's all all laid out in the article. Uh, a lot of it said, like, even if we don't fully agree with her policies, we think she'd be a fantastic voice. She has international experience. She's a graduate of, I don't remember which university in Canada, but also Princeton. She's a, you know, international lawyer. She's the first black woman to be elected leader of a federal party. A lot of it was, even if we don't fully agree with her policies, she is a voice that would add a lot to the parliamentary debate, and that alone should earn her a spot. Yeah, fair enough. All right, moving on to Trump. We had didn't really talk about Trudeau in that whole segment. Well, very beginning, but I end a bit at the end. Anyway, moving to Trump. In a speech this week, this is a quote from Trump from one of the speeches he had this week. He said, Someone said to me, You are the most famous person in the world. I said, No, I'm not. They said, Who's more famous? I said, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's definitely a story that happened. That's... Oh, but... I mean, it just reminded me of a couple of things. One, I think at, in the 60s, John Lennon compared the Beatles' popularity to the popularity of Jesus. And he was, for lack of a better word, crucified for it. <laughs> like, people did not like that, comparing himself to, and the band, to Jesus. Now, okay, it was a different time. It was the 60s. It was 
religion probably meant more in more people's lives in general. Yep. But still, I mean, it, it was almost exactly the same thing as John Lennon said, and nobody really seemed to care about it. Like, it barely made a blip in the news. He said, he said to be fair, John Lennon said that the Beatles were comparable to Jesus. No, no, he was talking about popularity. Yeah, and in popularity. John Lennon said the Beatles were comparable to Jesus in popularity. I think his exact quote was, they've been, they're the most popular since Jesus or something like that. Well, I, I, maybe it's phrasing, but he, Donald Trump said Jesus, he's less, John Trump just said he's less popular than Jesus. Not to defend him, it's definitely like a fake story that didn't happen that's meant to boost his popularity amongst Christian conservatives. It definitely happened. He definitely said it. It's on it's on video. I saw the video of him saying it. Of somebody coming up to Trump and saying you're the most famous oh, person in the world? Oh, no, sorry. That part didn't happen. No. 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 Yeah. It's like That's a fake story. Th- his story is fake. Yes, like all his stories. Like the story of yeah. the of the big guy came to me. He was crying. He was so happy that all the things yeah. I've done for him. He has tons of fake stories of stuff that never happens. Yes, 100%. I agree with you. Sorry. I thought you meant that him saying it was fake. No, 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 no. Trump's story is fake, as most of his stories are. And he made it up to curry favor amongst Christian conservatives or Christian moderates who maybe are straying away from him. That's that's what I have to say about that. It's fake. <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah, I, I just I just wrote down here. I didn't watch the town halls and I didn't really hear much about them. You? I heard. Um, I, yeah. OK, I heard a few things. I heard Joe Biden's was normal which is boring, but also fantastic. That's what you want. One thing that I heard that really impressed me was Joe Biden stayed late after the town hall to answer the questions he didn't have a chance to get to from the audience. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that is a very simple thing that unfortunately I think a lot of politicians wouldn't do. And, and good on him. Good on him. That reminds me of when Elizabeth May, who I love dearly, no, sorry, not Elizabeth May, Elizabeth Warren. I do love Elizabeth May dearly. Also love Elizabeth Warren dearly. But when Elizabeth Warren was one, running for president, she became famous for her selfie lines, where after a rally, she would stay. Yeah, and do all those selfies, yeah. Line up. And, like, I think she said her longest one, like, she stayed seven hours after a rally so that everyone who wanted to take a selfie with her could take a selfie with her. Yeah, in New York, I think. Yeah, and that's insane, especially when you consider, like, Elizabeth Warren is a... 74 year old woman or something like that yeah i just looked Um, it up and and yeah john lennon did say they were more popular than jesus right now where they were with their popularity said we are more popular than jesus right now which was probably true but still something you can't say however it did cause Ku Klux clan members to burn their beatles records so anything you say that pisses off the clan probably isn't that bad yeah that's true (laughs) sorry um we can get back on track now yeah Anyway, that was that's what I heard from Biden. From Trump, I heard that the woman whose name I forget, who was hosting it and like asking him the questions, gave him the grilling that people have wanted to see moderators give him for, since 2016. Yeah, I did hear that actually. That is like true. like she really pushed him and called him out on all his baloney. Um, yeah, I might have to watch that. Which is great. The I have to say the SNL skit that they did is hilarious. Yeah, Kate McKinnon was funny as the moderator. Yeah, did you watch it? I watched the first half. I haven't seen it. It was took 12 minutes. Who has 12 minutes to watch an opening? Come on. Come oh. on, SNL. Oh, I think it was so funny. It gets great near the end. I recommend watching the SNL skit, everybody. One thing you have to know, it's on SNL's Facebook page. One thing you need to know is 
Donald Trump Jr.'s compared Joe Biden to Mr. Rogers as if it was an insult somehow. He compared his town, Donald Trump Jr. compared Joe Biden's town hall to like an episode of Mr. Rogers, like some sort of insult, which is a really terrible insult. Savannah Guthrie was the moderator. Yes, there we go. Savannah Guthrie. Kate McKinnon's opening line was, hello, I'm surprise badass Savannah Guthrie. (laughs) And I'm here to rip you a new one or something like that, (laughs) right? Yeah, exactly. So funny. But one of the apparently highlights of the Trump town hall was a woman stood up. And one of the first things she said was, Mr. President, I have to say I love your smile. I think you're so handsome when you smile and you should smile more. And who cares? And then she asked a question about like immigration rights and the Dream and, and the Dreamers Act and all that stuff. And people were kind of tearing her apart on the internet. Which I don't know. Should you be point like like I don't think she deserves to be torn apart as much as she was. Uh, but I mean it was just a compliment. Who who cares really? Yeah, um, but he. I, I mean, I, objectively, he is <laughs> smiling. Doesn't help him any. Like it no, 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 not at all. And I don't think you should. You know, like, like he's a monster. So you know, don't. I don't know. Don't put lipstick on a pig. And I can see the argument of, you know, like this is a man who's locking children in cages, and you want to tell him he has a nice smile. Don't point to that. Don't humanize him. Like, I see that point. But that is not, I think, what's wonderful about this story. What's wonderful about this story is that the news reached out to her afterwards because she was getting harassed so much online. And she said, I want to make one thing very clear. I'm voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> but and she said, I do think he has a nice smile. I think he should smile more. I think everyone should smile more. And and I'm not afraid to say that. And I think if I like I, I believe in compliments and if you know, I'm going to compliment somebody if I think there's something to compliment. And I thought, well, that's a nice answer. But I thought it was so funny that she was like, oh, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm voting for Biden. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if, if you look at sort of the history of interviews, Trump interviews specifically, it, they tend to go better if you butter him up first. And I'm just wondering if she was trying to butter him up in order to get an, a more an answer that she wanted or or cat it tends to get him off his guard a little bit and then he gives more free answers is that true uh, it's just what i've noticed like you look at the people oh. that interview them that they seem to if they start off by agreeing with them before they move into not agreeing with them yeah it tends to go better <laughs> anyway that's that's what i heard about them yeah i i do think nbc probably should have scheduled theirs at a different time yeah, running them at the same time seems like well, how are you supposed to watch both? Like if if, you, if you're an American and and you want to yeah. watch both, and, and the American people deserve to have the chance to watch both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay, it's 2020. I'm sure they're on YouTube by now. So saying that they can't isn't true. But you're not seeing it live. But anyway, yeah. Trump is Trump is out holding rallies again, and and I I thought maybe. He would have learned something from his bout with COVID, but uh, I guess that's my mistake. Well, I mean, I think he stopped learning things around the third grade. There's so many people. He's not wearing a mask. All half the people behind him aren't in masks. Big-ish rap, like big for the times rallies. I don't think they're big rallies. I think they just pack everybody in behind him. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think he's filling arenas like he did in the first time, and I think that's because. They aren't in arenas. They're outdoors now, right? Mostly at, at airports and stuff. Yeah. 
but I think they just pack most people behind them. I, I don't know how many people are there, to be honest. Maybe there still is thirty or 40,000 people, but I, I would hope not. Like, I would hope there wouldn't be that many people willing to risk catching COVID for two hours of nonsense. Yeah. In his latest rally, he criticized the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and uh, by the end of that, the crowd was chanting, lock her up, which, what do you do? She was, there was a plot to kidnap her and literally lock her up. And now you have your, your fans cheering that at the, at, at your rally. And whether you started the chant or not, he certainly didn't stop it. And he definitely egged it on. Yeah. He said, they say, they say she was threatened and she blamed me. So that again is is diminishing what happened. They say she yeah. was threatened, like, like you know, I'm not sure it really happened. They say she was threatened, but I don't know that it happened. She was definitely threatened. There's people going yeah. to jail. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? And then hopefully, hopefully you'll be sending her packing pretty soon. So that's just you know they they want her out. Now, Lee Chatfield, who's the Republican Speaker of the Michigan House of Representatives commented on Twitter, Trump didn't chant lock her up about our governor, but others did and it was wrong. She was literally just targeted. Let's debate differences. Let's win elections, but not that. That's letting Trump have- that's letting Trump off the hook if you ask me. No, absolutely. Like the rest of that tweet was great. Saying it was wrong. Point of factor is literally just targeted. Let's debate differences. You know, pointing that out, that's all fine. Yeah. But the literal first thing he did was totally exonerate the man who had influence over that entire crowd. Yeah. Who that entire crowd listens to, respects, honors, deifies, and he did nothing. And this man's like, that's fine. The language he used also diminishes what happened when he says, they say she was threatened. Like, like maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. But he just let him completely off the hook. A quote from a Trump rally a couple of days ago. He said, he's talking about the election, obviously, because, you know, it's coming up. He said, I shouldn't joke because you know what? Running against the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics puts pressure on me. Can you imagine if I lose my whole life? What am I going to do? I'm going to say I lost to the worst candidate in the history of politics. I'm not going to feel so good. Maybe I'll have to leave the country. I don't know. Here's hoping. But again, yeah. it's it's the like it's the language he uses and repeats the worst candidate in the history, you know, getting it out there, getting it out there, saying it again and again over and over, reinforcing that on Yeah. And and it's as much as he's an idiot, who's ever writing his speeches is pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. It's like just hit these things. He's he almost, he says things so much, people start to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. That's what it is. And, and I have and, to say, though, I have to point out, if you think the pressure's on him, imagine Joe Biden. What if Joe Biden loses to the worst president in the history of presidential politics? That's going to be worse. And what is his bar for the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics? Like, how do you measure the quality of a candidate? I don't know. I'll say this. It's it's that is very hard because Joe Biden could very easily win a larger victory than either of Obama's. 
But Obama was definitely a better candidate. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Like, because Joe Biden is not... Well, I shouldn't say Joe Biden isn't running off his own popularity. Joe Biden's actually very popular as far as American popular uh, politicians go. But what's boosting him more than anything is people who don't want Trump. Like, it could be anyone. It could be literally anyone. Well, no, it couldn't like, be Hillary. No, that's true. But, like, I think... Like, Joe Biden, in the best case scenario for him, could win 412 electoral votes. But I think at this point, even Bernie Sanders, who who maybe would not attract any of the moderates or any of the Republicans that uh, Biden's going, would still eke out a narrow victory just from all the no-Trumpers. Yeah, probably. Like, that's the thing. If If Joe Biden, like, legitimately loses... That will actually embarrassing for him. Be embarrassing for him because this is the easiest to beat candidate, easier to beat than in 2016, probably in American history, because now 2016 at least. I mean, Trump. It should have been easy to beat Trump. The Democrats really, you know, shit the bed on that one. But the one thing he didn't have against him, like he didn't have a record going against him. Now he has a record. And now what? There's four years of stuff that he's done that we all know that he did that the Democrats can point to, and that makes Trump weaker. And what he had going for him was he wasn't a politician, and people wanted something other than a mainstream candidate because they were yeah. just sick of, of the, politi- being, you know, the politics that were being played. Yeah, he was anti-establishment. Now he is the establishment. Yeah, well, he was never anti-establishment. He said he was, yeah, but, but he never yeah, that's was. How he played. Yeah. That's how he played. But now he can't play that anymore because he's literally the president. But he still does. That's just it. He still does. He still tries to come off as this, you know, hero to the little people when he gives tax cuts to, to all the rich folks. Yeah, he still tries, but I think it doesn't sell as well because, you know, people are like, you say that, but over the past four years, you've done nothing for me. Yeah. Now, there's, there's, there's been a lot of people poking fun at Trump's dancing. People have been saying it's worse than Elaine's from Seinfeld, which who was a notoriously bad dancer. The character, I'm sure Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a fine dancer, but Elaine couldn't dance. Now, I admit I watched I watched the videos. It's, you know, he's not, he's probably not uh, Sean Spicer material from Dancing with the Stars. He's not at that quality. But, you know, I, I'm just not sure now's the time to focus on that. I think maybe we should not really worry about what he looks like when he's dancing and and worry more about what he's saying when he's behind the mic yeah i mean yes that should definitely be the main focus not that he would let it go he would not let it go (laughs) yes yes no absolutely but i i mean it's we live in dark times and i people finding something to laugh at and 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 as long as they still go vote against him and do something to get him out then i don't know i don't know if i mind so much yeah, it I, shouldn't dominate the conversation. It should not dominate the conversation. But if we want to put some jokes at it and lighten the mood a bit. Yeah, I guess if you're talking about, again, it's one of those things where I, I think the late night host can probably get away with it, but it maybe shouldn't be on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want anyone on CNN talking about it. But I think it is on the news right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's too bad. But the same thing with the flies on the news. There is a fantastic... And everyone should watch it because it can't be perfectly described. But there was a fantastic clip uh, from the Rachel Maddow show where Rachel Maddow asks if Kamala Harris 
could see the fly on Mike Pence's head during the presidential debate. And I just highly recommend everyone go watch that video. It's fantastic. It's like 15 seconds, 30 seconds long. Do you have any uh, Trump thing you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I got one. You know, this past week were Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court hearings, um, like in the Senate. Supreme Court hearings. The senators got to ask. Yeah. No, sorry, you just cut it when you said it. So I just wanted to make it clear what you were talking oh, sorry. about. Sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the hearings. And senators got to ask her questions. And I didn't I didn't catch too many. I just caught a couple of the Democratic questions and something Ted Cruz said. He, he talked about a whole bunch of issues. And then he said, but I'm not going to ask you about any of that. How's your family? How are you doing? How are your children? Just kind of like caught up with her. And I thought, that's fantastic. That's That really shows that you're taking your job seriously, Ted, and that this isn't a partisan thing at all. Good job. Good on you. What an asshole. Yeah. Like, even if you're so incredibly partisan, like, like, obviously you're going to vote for her. We all know that it doesn't matter what she says, you're going to vote for her. But at least pretend to take your job seriously. Like, this is your job. You were elected by the people of your state to do a job. So do it. And that job, part of that job includes that making sure that these candidates are qualified outside of the president saying what they think how they you know react checking on their record so do the work i like, saw i saw a little bit of those when she was being questioned by democrats and she really did a good job of not answering anything yeah yeah she did and my favorite one was kamala harris actually who said do you believe that covid-19 is infectious and amy coney barrett said yes it is commonly known that COVID-19 is infectious. And Kamala Harris said, oh, that's good. Do you believe that smoking causes cancer? And Amy Coney Barrett said, like, well, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but yes, the scientific consensus and is well known that uh, smoking causes cancer. I got to say, I think that should disqualify her for being a judge on the Supreme Court because I knew exactly where she was going with this. Yeah, I did too. I did too right off the top. And then... For, for those of you who could be on the Supreme Court, she said, you'll see where this is going, Kamala Harris said, thank you, do you believe that man-made climate change is an existential threat to our existence on this earth and is a threat to our drinking water and our air? Because of course that's where she was going, so clear where she was going. Yeah. And I thought it was actually a fantastic way to lead there because Amy, even Amy Coney Barrett's non-answer totally showed the hypocrisy of it because she said something along the lines of you ask me two things that are you know like non-partisan issues that are you know facts in the scientific community and then you ask me something that is of hot political debate and is uh not you know it's a it's a current political issue and as a judge i'm not supposed to comment on these things i'm not supposed to give personal opinions on current political issues blah 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 essentially saying that it's not equivalent because there is no consensus around climate change when there is there a hundred percent is from scientists which is the only opinion that matters yeah and then consensus around climate change being a man-made existential threat as there is of smoking causing cancer that's what uh camilla harris said at the end of that she's like thank you the fact that you think it's debatable answers my question yeah exactly so it, 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 I thought that was a great question. Cory Booker asked uh, a fantastic question about how the system 
I can't remember exactly what he asked, but he asked a fantastic question about how the system makes it harder for black people to participate in democracy. And Dick Durbin was the first Democrat. Sounds to- like a superhero or, or a supervillain. Can't decide. <laughs> At least a Marvel character. Yeah. Dick Durbin was the first Democratic senator to the hearing. And Lindsey Graham, who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee, started to go ahead with the meeting. And Dick Durbin said, took a point of order and said, Mr. Chair, we're not the rules state that we're not allowed to start until at least two members of the minority party are present. Lindsey Graham tried to start again, and Dick Durbin said, no, 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 we're not allowed to start. And Lindsey Graham said something along the lines of, if I were to follow the rules, we wouldn't start because this is obviously, okay, I say something along the lines of, this is totally me paraphrasing, but said, like, if I were to follow the rules, we would never start because this is obviously an attempt to delay the hearing by the Democrats who don't want to follow the rules blah 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 and i thought what a freaking hypocrite yeah and then he said and if you guys are in charge you're going to do the exact same thing i would do now which is go ahead with this hearing yeah yeah which which, like like, and this is the use your words against me guy like he is almost as bad as mitch mcconnell yeah it boggles my mind the blatant partisanship and the fact that they just so knowingly and obviously and don't even try to hide them throwing the rules out the window at least at least the democrats were using the rules to pursue their partisan agenda which you know in my i would argue is you know them fighting back against the republicans changing the rules but at least the Democrats aren't trying to change the rules. They're using the rules that are there to further their own goals. Who isn't? But just but, but just the, to be clear, the Republicans didn't change the rules. They just went back on what they said they were going to do. But th- there's nothing against the rules that says that they can't do exactly what they're doing. Oh, no. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about even uh, years ago when the Republicans changed the rules so that I think it used to require a two-thirds majority to confirm a nominee, but they knew they couldn't get that, so they changed the rules to make it just a simple majority or or something along those lines. They certainly changed the rules so that they, on something, so that they didn't need a supermajority, they just needed a simple majority so that they could put forward their agenda faster. The Republicans, over the, since they took control of the Senate in, I believe, 2010, have systemically changed many rules as soon as it worked against them you're right they're not breaking the rules with this judge nomination but they are certainly going back on their own words and being incredibly hypocritical oh absolutely so i thought that was ridiculous but then at the end the senior democrat on the judiciary committee diane feinstein senator from california one of the longest serving democrats on the senate said to lindsey graham This is one of the best run hearings I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of. Thank you for chairing it so well. And then while he wasn't wearing a mask and she wasn't wearing a mask, they both got up and gave each other a hug. Was she drinking? I don't know. It was ridiculous. I mean, what the hell was that? You basically, I mean, first of all, how? How is that true? Because it just can't be. He broke so many, like he broke the rule right off the top. And then it was so partisan. And like, it's just ridiculous. And then you're still like, as a Democrat, how can you possibly believe that after witnessing all the crap that the Republicans are doing? And I have to say, this is why 
I hate every senator, Democrat or Republican, who has been like consistently elected for like 40 years. Like they all just need to go. Maybe she planted a bug on him when she hugged him. Maybe. And it was all just a plan to get close to him so she could put like a listening device up under his collar. I, I, I hope so, but I don't. I, I don't have much hope for that because I've had issues with Diane Feinstein before. I think she's a very old guard kind of conservative Democrat who I, I just, I think everyone needs to go. I don't think the answer is term limits because I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is the party protecting their incumbents so much and not allowing primaries or, or, or throwing so much money behind their incumbents in primaries. Like, I think that's the main problem. Yeah, I mean, I guess money, I mean, money. they throw money at it to put all these ads in, but the ads don't tell you anything, in my opinion. The ads don't tell you anything about the candidate nowadays. They only tell you what, why the other candidate is awful. So you don't learn anything from them. I mean, I, I would hope that the majority of the people aren't swayed by that, that they know who they're going to vote for based on their policies and whether you spend 10 million or 100 million on ads saying how bad the other person is you you stick to your your principles come voting time i don't know you hope so but uh the numbers don't seem to suggest that yeah i mean obviously the negative ads work or they wouldn't they wouldn't run them yeah but i just and i it makes me not want to vote for a person when i see a negative campaign ad I and agree. any person one of the things that impressed me most with the 2015 liberal campaign is that they didn't run a single negative ad. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I just I just don't understand it. Don't tell me why I shouldn't vote for the other guy. Tell me why I should vote for you. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. And next up, as per usual... We have closer to fine, and uh, I did my first day of filming on just on yesterday, which was a lot of fun. The first place we filmed was a not fully constructed house. It was mostly just the frame of a house, and then the first walls put up. Whose house uh, was it? I don't know. Did they have permission to be there, or were you just yes, on like yes, a construction site? No, no, we had permission to be there, and it was minus ten with the wind chill. And my costume was a white T-shirt. A light flannel and jeans. But didn't didn't all your people have your winter coat and hot chocolate waiting for you in between takes? Well, my winter coat is in Ontario. No, but a a, a, a lead actor warm winter coat just to, just or like a shawl to put around you to keep you warm between takes. I had a light jacket that I did put on um, between takes. No, your people put it on you. My, it's no. an acting gig. <laughs> doesn't not 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 quite that budget and then my sweater that i'd worn to like before i got into costume just the sweater that i was wearing that day i tied that around my head like an old russian woman to keep my ears warm don't but you have a hat either right there and uh no no so by the end of the shoot and we were there from noon to seven thirty. you were there for seven and a half hours yeah, uh, so I could feel, I couldn't feel my toes, my fingers, my ears, my lips, my nose, my head, shoulder, knees, and toes. Did you, did you have a break or something where you could go somewhere and get warm halfway through at least? There was about halfway through a scene that I was not in, and the director gave me the keys to his car, 
and I went into the car and I thawed. And then when I came back in, we were filming exclusively inside, which was not insulated, so it wasn't warm, but it broke the wind. So I I refroze at a slower pace, which was nice. But then the next suffering shoot for your inside. craft. Yeah, but the next shoot was all inside and it was fine at the next location. So all in all, it went from about noon till twelve thirty a.m. So it was a twelve hour day, but it was a lot of fun. Loved it. It was fantastic. I'm I'm happy to have the opportunity, and it's a it's a fun fun short film. Is there going to be any outtakes? Is there like break? Is there laugh hysterical laughter breaking out at certain scenes and things like that? <laughs> Forgotten was lines or blooper moments? Will they put it in after the movie so we can see? I it? don't know. I made a comment. I said, at one point I said save it for the blooper reel, and then I said not enough movies put bloopers after the credits anymore during the credits i wish more movies did that and then kind of gave a look to the director but i don't think he noticed (laughs) all right you got anything else no that's it for me all right well i spent three days this week cutting down two dead trees and one was already in the backyard that had fallen it's also dead cutting down two of the dead ones and then taking those three dead ones chopping them up into round you know big round logs and then taking those logs up and splitting them into two or four or six sometimes if they're big enough and there was really something cathartic about it you know there's something about splitting wood that uh i don't know it's it's relaxing it's satisfying when you when you take an axe and you you know you hit a piece of wood and it flies off in two different directions it's it's uh i don't know it felt good it'd been a while since i'd done it so it was it was nice and now we have a whole shed full of wood to last us the winter when we we were down to our last maybe eight or ten pieces so that's nice. kind of nice as well it's fuller than that time that you helped me unload Dill. we have oh, wow we have the first row is pretty much right to the ceiling and there's a second row oh wow yeah there's a lot of wood the one big the one tree that we cut down was really big i actually there was a little tree that was leaning over our driveway i bought we bought a chainsaw we moved into this place because it's on a bit of land so I, I I took the chainsaw and dropped that onto the driveway and cut that up and chopped it up and put it in the shed. And then there was a like a big tree, like, I don't know, 40 feet, 35 feet, 40 feet, something like that, and a big base. And it, it was completely dead. Like there was, there was only one or two branches way at the top. Everything's dead. And the, the side of it looked diseased or rotten or something. And I YouTubed how to, how to chop down a tree first before I did any of them. So I'm pretty much an arborist now, <laughs> but, but you know, this big one kind of made me a little, ner- I'd, I'd cut down a lot of trees when I worked at the lodge too, but, but nothing this big, this was the biggest tree I'd ever cut down. So I called, I called your uncle Derek over cause that way I figured if something goes wrong, odds are one of us will be able to call 911. Yeah. So it's just a safety. I thought you were going to say, if something goes wrong, it won't be exclusively my fault. <laughs> that too. <laughs> But yeah, we did we did exactly what it said on the YouTube, like cut down at 70 degree angle, then cut the face off. And that looks like a really like a charcuterie board when it comes off. It's quite nice. Then you then you go in with your chainsaw pretty much at the point where you came across to get the charcuterie board off. Yeah. And then once it's in past the point that you can put a wedge in behind it, you put a wedge in behind it and then you keep going. And then at some point the tree just goes in that direction like you aim it where you want to go with all that you know the cuts and the wedge and that and and it exactly fell 
where we planned and it was just it was so satisfying and then as soon as it hit the ground Derek's like why didn't we video that I'm like you're right we should have videoed that <laughs> but it was very satisfying but then then they had to chop it all up it was a lot of work it was a lot of work but very uh I don't know satisfied it, it was it was good I enjoyed it it just felt like you're doing something you know yeah so that was good other than other than that this isn't me obviously but I saw two two other things one there's a company on Kickstarter that's making a, a Fauci action figure, which I think, you know, if you can afford it, go support this guy because that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is. Guess what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the a video went pretty viral this week of a cougar chasing a, a jogger in a park somewhere. I can't remember where. I heard it lots, but I can't remember where anymore. I think it was in the States somewhere. And this cougar was, he was... The, the jogger was videoing it and he was backing up and the cougar was sort of lunging and now the jogger went by the babies and it was a mother cougar she was protecting her babies so there's there's a lot of there's some people on both sides you know people say he did the right thing he did the wrong thing whatever but what an incredible video like this and he's I mean hey, he's lucky to be alive you know good for him I guess for getting out of it but man, that yeah. is a that is an insane video. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's worth watching. Like it's pretty I, scary. I would be pretty scared if that cougar well, was doing that to me. First of all, I mean, I think it's kind of stupid of him to take it out and video it, but you know, whatever. I, I, I guess think... it's a record of 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 you know your last moments, so you know people know what happened. Maybe I'd just run and hope they weren't my last moments. No, you know? but I'll tell you what they say: they if he turned and ran, he probably would have been killed. That's what the experts say. You're not supposed to break eye contact, like backing away from this and maintaining eye contact from him is what, maybe he did it by accident, but that's what saved him. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, Hopefully it's not. uh, Hopefully you never need to reuse that information. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. But it's good to have in the back pocket, you know, just in case. Yeah. It's one of those things where, to be honest, now I don't know much about the jogger. I saw that it happened. I like, I've heard this story before. If the jogger was on a path where people are allowed to jog, then I have to say neither the the cougar nor the person were in the wrong. You can't blame the cougar for trying to protect its young, and you couldn't blame the jogger for being on a jogging path. Yeah, he was on a path. Okay, yeah. So then I think it's just like bad luck, a crazy coincidence, bad luck. Yeah. yeah, good for him. I don't think it's something where there needs to be sides. I think there are sides. I think. You know, it was nobody's fault. And if the cougar wanted him dead, he'd be dead. At the end of it, he sort of put the camera on himself. He goes, well, I'm not going back that way. (laughs) (laughs) So that was good. I mean, still the sense of humor after nearly being mauled by a big cat. Yeah. And now the end is near. All right, parting thoughts. I had a couple. There was a last Sunday... A Canadian playing in the NFL named Chase Claypool. He plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. And last Sunday, he became the first rookie in the NFL, sorry, in NFL history, to catch three touchdowns and run for another. And he grew up playing community football in British Columbia. From there, he ended up getting into Notre Dame and then in the NFL. So it's not easy to get in the NFL. You have to be pretty good. And it's nice yeah. to see a Canadian excelling there. And he's he's going to yeah. be a good player. He is uh, I have to say, really, really impressive athlete. You know, whenever we play against the U.S., you know, like especially in hockey, you know, we might not win the Stanley Cup very often our teams, but it's our athletes that carry U.S. teams. 
For the like, most you, part. I think the NHL still have the best athletes in North America. At least for hockey. I, we don't have we don't have the most athletes. The US has more than us for sure. No, no, no. I, I didn't say the most. I said the best. We make the best athletes in hockey. If we played any other sport, the states would kick our ass. Not in lacrosse. Well, that's might be true as well. Lacrosse would probably be that might be true as well. But if you played baseball or football or basketball, they would crush us. Uh, we just won. I don't know what you're talking about. We just won the uh, NBA. If you're gonna call, but there's not a Canadian on the Raptors. Shh, Dad. And that was last year. LA's won it since. Quiet, quiet. It's okay. Also, after 15 years of development, I saw this on Jimmy Kimmel. Del Monte has come out with what they're calling the Pink Glow Pineapple. They sell for. 49 US dollars each and according to Jimmy Kimmel they taste like wait for it pineapple good I'm glad that that's what we spent 49 or 15 years pouring into and and that's definitely the most important scientific breakthrough that we could have made this year and and they're flying off the shelves who's buying a $49 pineapple because it's pink the same freaking people who bought the $60 cubed watermelons in Japan because they were cubes. That's it's a insane. watermelon, but a cube. That is so it's, crazy. It's, like, like these things just sell, and, and it's it really is like, who who cares? Yeah. No, I agree. Like, listen, I'd be interested. I, I would definitely want to try at least once if they made a pineapple that tasted like a strawberry. I think that'd be so interesting. Like, like... These senses don't make sense. What? But if it's just a pink pineapple, give me buy a regular pineapple. Give me some red food dye. I'll give you a pink pineapple. Yeah, exactly. There's no difference. I don't <laughs> understand it. And then this, in a in a perfect segue, we had homemade pizza a couple nights ago, which is it's actually one of my one of my favorite meals. I, I do enjoy a good homemade pizza. So typically, Madeline's been having late lately. I shouldn't say typically, but lately Madeline's been having sort of these chicken caesar pizzas because she's not a big fan of red sauce mm-hmm. but the other day she says i want i don't want the chicken caesar pizza i just want salami you know a little bit more red sauce than you normally put on it and pineapple and i said i'm a pretty tolerant father i could have taken a lot of things but you're gonna have to move out <laughs> and i said what what dylan likes it i'm like i don't think he does no no it's ham and pineapple that is hawaiian pizza yeah it wasn't hawaiian it's just she never said it was hawaiian she's like salami and pineapple but i like hawaiian i like hawaiian pizza you do oh pineapple on pizza is just so wrong it's so wrong it's just i love pineapple i love pizza but they should be separate it's like church and state (laughs) now i will admit i used to like it way more than i do and i never get it on my pizza anymore but I so maybe I don't like it. I actually haven't had it in years. But as far as I recall, I do like it. But putting it with salami is weird. It's just it's a pork. What's the difference? Yeah, it's different parts of the pork. You know, nah, maybe slightly different spiced pork. But that's all. I don't know. I ha- last time I had Hawaiian pizza, I liked it. I haven't had it in years because there is just so much better pizza. I've I've never had anything against pineapple on pizza. No, I just don't like. I don't like it when it gets hot. I don't like the texture of it. I don't like it. It's bad. I think and broccoli's I will have, worse. I will have pizza. none of that in my house. <laughs> broccoli's worse on pizza. Those degenerates down in Chicago. 
I'd I'd take broccoli over pineapple. What about banana? No. No hot fruit. No hot fruit. (laughs) Pepper's a fruit. Mm, Traditional fruits. I know, like, people seeds and that. Peppers aren't really a fruit. Tomatoes? No, not a fruit. I know technically a fruit, but not a fruit. All right. Well, if you're gonna, if you're just deciding what is and isn't a fruit now, then okay, I guess. <laughs> yes, actually, and you know what? I like tomato sauce. I'm not a huge a tomato sun-dried tomatoes. Okay, occasionally, not all the time. I mean, I know it's not 1992 anymore, but but I don't, I, I, I don't really like a big hunk of tomato on a pizza. I'm not. I'd rather not have it there. Fair enough. I'll eat it. I won't eat a pineapple. Tomato isn't sweet like a pineapple. And it's the hot-sweet yeah. combo that I don't like. That's fair. Which is like That's why fair. the banana, I think, is wrong, too. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, over to your uh, parting thoughts. I just have one. I was in Starbucks today, and a man walked in, and he wasn't wearing a mask, which was very strange. And it was the first time I'd noticed like it being strange that somebody's not wearing a mask. And the store manager said, sorry, you have to leave if you're not going to wear a mask. And he said, sorry, I'm exempt. And I had a really fierce internal debate on whether or not to, say, like, prove it. Because there are some exemptions in Edmonton. You are exempt if you're swimming, which he was not. (laughs) Are you sure? You're you're exempt if you're physically incapable of, of, like, putting on a mask, which he was not. Because he had arms and ears? Yes, but it also said... I did a quick Google search because I wanted to be absolutely sure, but it also said if, if you're mentally unable. Now, that's a pretty loose definition, loose phrase. Who knows? He could have just said, yes, I am mentally unable to wear a mask, and I could have pushed him on it, and and then he could have been absolutely right, and I would have looked like a complete jackass. <laughs> but Or he could have just been bullshitting it. Like, he could have been like totally lying it's probably the latter i mean i i I don't know it feels like it's probably the latter i agree i didn't end up saying anything because at the end of the day i was like it's the stores it's also not your store yeah yeah it's 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 their job to enforce this your choice is your choice is to leave because he's there and you can tell the store that i'm leaving because you're letting this guy in here without a mask yeah we were waiting for our orders. It was almost done. We left shortly after he walked in. They made him go. They they made him go stand outside and took his order out there. Or no, he had a mobile order, so they said, "Okay, go wait for it outside." And then they took it out to him. It was just interesting because it was, you know, I've heard of obviously who hasn't anti-maskers, but I'd never seen anybody not wearing a mask while out in a public place in months. Yeah, months, and it it, it was very strange. You know, over over that little course of what you were just talking about there, I came up with two more things to this add to this already super long episode. But it it, it is things that I want to talk about this week because they were this week's happenings. <laughs> but there was a Thai food truck, and I think it was in Windsor. And a guy came up to pick up his food, and like I think he phoned in the order or something. And they said, mm-hmm. you know, you need you need to put a mask on to get the food because they couldn't separate for whatever reason they had to get so close that the rule was you had to wear a mask to pick up your food and then he went on a rant about how he doesn't have to wear a mask and this isn't you know you can't you can't ask me to show my why i don't need to wear it blah blah i'm a lawyer it's my human right not to wear a mask blah 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 and and the the owner 
you know, then explain, listen, if, if you can't wear a mask, we have other options. We can do delivery. But if you want to do it this way, you have to wear a mask. He went off. And apparently this Thai place got a, a letter from the lawyer. I guess he was really a lawyer or some sort of firm that said, Ugh. we're taking you to court. He wanted all the video from all the cameras for this day, from this time, blah, 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 blah. He said, or, you know, you can pay me $20,000 and I'll drop the suit. And I'm like, okay, how does, where did you get $20,000 from? We're talking about a Thai meal, right? Yeah. How, like, is this some really good Thai food and you're mentally mentally distraught now because you didn't get to eat <laughs> it that night? So there's there's other issues. There's, you know what I mean? Like how twenty thousand dollars? How about the fifteen bucks it would have cost you for your meal? Yeah, you know what, uh, that what, feels what? like a that feels like a suit they're gonna lose. I hope guy. so. I really, really hope so. I, I I'm I didn't see the video. I didn't see the exchange. But from what I read, I am one hundred percent in the Thai food trucks parking spot. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm with I'm with the Thai people in, in this particular instance. I think. I don't yeah. believe the other guy has a leg to stand on. And I hope, you know, $20,000 to a food truck, they'll just, they're out of business, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're out of business. I so. was just thinking, like, I hope they can afford the fees, like the lawyer fees to go to court. And that doesn't put them out of business. Yeah, that too. And then one other thing that I just remembered was there was a uh, a racist rant caught on video at a Georgetown golf course. Basically, a, a, a racist tirade that was directed at a South Asian man who was golfing in front of this, you know, uh, white guy at a golf course. And I guess he felt they were playing too slow and and let them know about it. And it's just, you know, th- this is like a place 10 minutes from my house. And you think, like, what are you, what are you doing? What, why? What, haven't, we, haven't we gotten past that here? But obviously not. Or, you know, obviously not, but you hope people, you hope you got masked yeah. especially you're out golfing, you know, you're just having a good day, enjoying the sunshine. Why you got to go and be like that? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where, I mean, I have strong views and I definitely have a bias and that bias definitely leads me to the first negative thing I can find against those I disagree with. That all being said, I still think I can reasonably lay out the arguments intelligently for the positions I stand against. I did it not just today. I was laying out the arguments for private health care in Alberta when I was relaying this story to somebody and they said, well, why would they want to bring in public uh, private health care? And I said, well, these are their arguments. And I believe I did it without bias. But if you follow logic and facts, there is no standing to back any sort of racism. I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around the mentality of why, uh, of how anybody justifies racism. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I can't make it make sense. I'm going to play the little, I'm going to play a little clip of this racist rant here so we can listen to it. I didn't know how to register it because I was born here. I was, I'm a Canadian. Would you right behind me? The son mentioned to me, you better hit a good shot. Luckily, I hit a good shot. And after I hit this good shot, I went to my friend. I was like, was that good enough? And as I said that, the father got out of his cart. He said he was going to shove that golf club right up my I just wanted to bring awareness 
to, to the fight against racism because we all think it's over, we all think it, it's not there, but the experience I faced yesterday was the experience many colored people face. So this is a guy golfing with his son that went off on this, his name's Gersher Dillon, I'm just looking at his DH and I'm looking at him, I'm assuming Indian, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I would guess Indian. You know what I mean? And, and this guy's now teaching it to his kid, right? This racism, yeah. this is how it moves generations. Yeah, but apparently this guy has since lost his job. He was identified from the film, and he's been fired. I mean, I wish I could feel bad for people. No, I don't wish. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for something like that. Good, he lost his job. Good, he deserved it. Probably. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's just no place, right? Like, obviously, if that the pro, like, if you have a position of power, and this is how you're thinking, you're not doing the best job for the company, right? Because if you're automatically eliminating everybody but white people from potential customers employees what you know what i mean like anybody in your circus yeah. if you, circle if you don't want to deal with anybody but white people then then you're not doing the best job for your company so it does relate back to to your job yeah the argument that it it, it shouldn't affect your work because it doesn't change how you do your job or whatever is just crap it's nothing. It doesn't hold doesn't hold water. Well, that's it for me. You got anything else you want to add? No. No, not at all. Alrighty. Well, thanks for listening once again. Always good, Always good to end on a happy note. <laughs> and have a good week, Dylan, and everyone else as thanks. well. And we'll talk at you again next Sunday.